0: Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code The Athletic, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets. Now here are your hosts, Tim McMaster and Connor Hughes listen safely
0: can't wait free agency morphing into draft season as this vital jets offseason continues welcome back to the can't wait podcast lots to talk about as the jets hierarchy is in west palm beach florida this week for the annual owners meetings first time in person since 2019 and connor made the difficult trip from the frigid <laughs> northeast down to florida uh, to, to to cover the uh the the meetings down there. Tim McMaster here with Connor Hughes and Marissa Dunn. Thanks for checking us out. Give us a five star review if you're doing it somewhere where you can do that. All right, Connor, let's jump right into this. This is your chance on this podcast to prove that you actually did some work this week and didn't just hang out on the beach and and the golf course. So, let So we're gonna Connor. get into it. But that being said, th- this is a cool event, I think, for a reporter, right? Because you don't just hear from, you know, Joe Douglas or just Robert Sala, but Woody Johnson was there. You kind of get get some time with everybody in that hierarchy.
1: Yeah, I did not go on the beach this trip. So we can we can dispel that we can dispel that rumor. You're going to come in and talk about me playing golf today, aren't you? Yes, I played golf today because the Jets broke the meeting. <laughs> Just floor, had to get right? that out there. He didn't go yeah, to the jet, beach, yeah. but he
2: went to the course.
1: Yeah, I, I, I got I got a round in today, which, which was no also, big deal. I mean, it was a, a disaster of a round, but I got a round. Also,
2: for our audio listeners, if Connor doesn't sound as good, it was too much for him to bring the microphone down to West Palm Beach, but he was able to bring the golf clubs.
1: The golf clubs have their own checked bag. Like I get free mm-hmm. checked bag from American Airlines. So I just put the, the microphone now, in the golf yes, bag. Yes. well, here's the thing is that i I had this little brainchild of let's do a, a a can't wait podcast today. I had that while I was already here. So I was like, oh well, I'm not doing a podcast this week. I'm just writing, and we'll do one when I got home. And then I was like, oh, wait, actually, I have some free time on on what is this Wednesday? I was like, why don't we just do the episode on Wednesday? Everything's all fresh. Everyone wants to talk about it. We got some news out of Joe Douglas when he spoke regarding DK Metcalf and AJ Brown, you know, uh, talking about them, you know, uh, sub talking about them because you can't talk about them directly. So, hindsight yes when i check a bag it's very easy to bring the microphone when i don't check a bag i cannot bring the microphone also like there's this whole shebang bang where i gotta like now detach it from the mic stand which is on the desk it's a it's a whole cluster f and then i gotta reattach it and just i i just didn't (laughs) want to do it but if you want to justify being down here i will say like this isn't as the senior bowl is like a grind and the and the the nfl combine is a really big grind i mean if i could not go to those two trips, I would not go to those two trips 10 out of 10 times. Like I, I genuinely would give those up. I have no problem if I never stepped foot in Indianapolis again, I have no problem never stepping foot in Indianapolis again. I have no problem never stepping foot in Mobile for the Senior Bowl again. Like I've got no issue doing that, but the value of being there, of, of having all the scouts and all the coaches and all the GMs and everyone there and, and the sourcing and the networking and things that you get out of it, you have to do it. But it's undeniably my two least favorite trips of the year. This one is no doubt the best trip because it's either in some area of beautiful Florida. The one year was Orlando, which kind of stinks, but the resort was gorgeous. And then it flips between Florida. This year is at the Breakers, obviously in West Palm Beach. If it's not in Florida, they go to Arizona at the Biltmore. And the Jets, as I've said this a million times, and, and I give a lot of credit to, to Jared Winley and Eric Gelfand for setting this one up, you know, you can rip on the jets for things they do poorly. And, and I like to go, I like to do that. And then I also like to give them some credit for when they do things well. And they do the owner's meetings well, because generally every single year you have the coach on day one, you have the general manager on day two, and you have the owner on day three. And those guys will talk to us for 30 minutes on the record. And then they'll talk up to us for another 15 to 30 minutes off of the record. And we get one guy a day, you talk to him for 30 minutes, you write your story, and then you are completely free for the rest of the day to mingle around whatever the gorgeous hotel is they are, <laughs> go to the bars to see him, go shoot the shit with them. talk to him. And the next day, you get your one person again, you talk to him for 30 minutes, then you're free for the rest of the day. Now, the reason why I had this chance to golf today was because the Jets doubled up the owner and the coach on the first day. So on Monday, instead of this being Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of Sala Monday, Douglas Tuesday, Woody Wednesday, they did Woody and Salah both on Monday and the reasoning for that is because Woody has a mansion down here in West Palm Beach so he's not staying at the breakers he's at his glorious mansion and only coming in for the meeting so he's like as soon as the meetings are done I want out you know so whatever so Christopher stayed here it was good to see him again and catch up with him but this is I will say fan like, one of the of
0: podcast Christopher
1: Johnson yeah big yeah big fan yeah it was awesome talking to him catching up with him uh, he got a chance to meet Bree because Brie came to the owner's meetings with me so she was able to go to like that little party that they throw for media coaches and all that stuff where you get to you know BS with the guys for a while so Uh, It was fun seeing everyone again, talking to them again. Obviously, like I said, it's super valuable because you get to talk to them post-free agency before the draft, and you usually have quite a bit of information that comes out of it, and there was uh, no shortage of that this year.
0: All right, so let's get into the information, and we're going to start with something you teased, and that is... The wide receiver position last time we did this podcast while we were doing the podcast, uh, the Tyreek Hill stuff broke and we, it was it was kind of wild. We were streaming live yeah. and Connor's sending out text messages. And, and obviously the end of that story was not a good one. Later that day, uh, we all found out that Tyreek Hill chose the Dolphins over the Jets. So the Dolphins or the Jets strike out once. Again. Understandably
1: so. Like that's Yeah, understandably, understandably so. so.
0: Absolutely. For so, yeah, a lot of reasons. Um, so that's another right. No, Amari Cooper. Uh, no, they it's one after another. So, but that said currently, technically there's no other receivers available, but you mentioned the names DK Metcalf with Seattle in a lot of ways. It makes sense that Seattle as they rebuild might want to trade Metcalf for a slew of picks. And then AJ Brown with the Titans. Connor, neither of those teams right now say that they are getting rid of those players but it seems like the jets are certainly paying attention.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, it wasn't, it was a few years ago when at the, it wasn't the the owners meetings. It was the NFL combine, but it was there where um, Dave Gettleman stood at the podium and said, point blank. I did not sign Odell Beckham to trade him. And a month later he traded him. You know, it was the combine this year where uh, Pete Carroll stood at the podium and said, it's my intention that Russell Wilson's going to be this team's quarterback. And weeks later they traded him. And so Right now, yes, the, the Titans intend to keep A.J. Brown around for a very, very long time. And the Seahawks have every intention of, of playing games with D.K. Metcalf this year. And Pete Carroll said he can't imagine a situation where he's coaching a team that has not played or that does not have D.K. Metcalf at wide receiver. But here's the thing. Three weeks ago, the Kansas City Chiefs had absolutely no intention of trading Tyree Kill. The Kansas City Chiefs had no interest in trading Tyree Kill. It wasn't until some of these absurd receiver contracts have been handed out to guys like Christian Kirk, Uh, which is probably a little bit unwarranted, and then the one that was given to Devontae Adams by the Oakland or the Las Vegas Raiders, which was completely warranted, that suddenly these teams are saying, oh, no, I don't know if I can afford these receivers. And these receivers are going to their teams and saying, oh, yeah, I want a piece of that pie as well. So right now, yeah, the Tennessee Titans want A.J. Brown with them long term. The problem is that the Tennessee Titans also have an absolutely horrific contract in quarterback Ryan Tannehill. They're paying Derrick Henry. They've got several of their offensive linemen they're paying and their defensive linemen. They're not exactly flushed with extra cash to now give $25, $30 million to their receiver. The Seattle Seahawks are, with Russell Wilson now gone, they do have the cap space. But again, are they rebuilding? Are they trying to reload? What's the deal with him? So right now, yeah, it's what Joe Douglas said. These are just rumors. These are just whispers. These are just murmurs. DK Metcalf is not available to be had via trade. AJ Brown is not available to be had via trade. But while that's the case today, it might not be the case tomorrow. It might not be the case next week. It might not be that the case a couple days in, uh, a couple days before the NFL draft or when the NFL draft kicks off. And when one of these guys or if one of these guys is made available, as Joe Douglas said, quote unquote, they're going to strike. They're going to get after these guys. They're going to go and get them. They believe that this offense will be completely unlocked, that Zach Wilson will be completely let free that adding a true number 1 receiver will have a top to bottom effect on the offensive line because or on the entire offense because suddenly the offensive line isn't going to have to block as long because one of these three guys in Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, DK Metcalf or AJ Brown is going to be open obviously you can't double team Corey Davis or Elijah Moore if you've got Brown or Metcalf on the field obviously Michael Carter is not going to see stacked boxes when you have those three receivers split wide so it's really a way to take this offense which is right now has some pieces, has some talent, has some things you like to take it to the complete next level, can take it to above and beyond, can get the Jets, if Zach Wilson develops, to saying, you know what, this offense has the chance to be one of the best in the NFL. It's a true number one receiver away from reaching that point, and the Jets are going to do everything they can to try to get one of those receivers if one of those receivers is made available. And I did a little research and crowdsourcing and stuff like this down at the Combine, where I was kind of led to believe that of the two Metcalf or A.J. Brown, the one that's more likely – to be available than the other is Brown, that, that if he really wants this $25 million annually or close to $30 million annually, the Titans, while they want him long-term and they have plans to try to keep him long-term, they're just not realistic if he wants that much money considering some of the other contracts that they're settled with. Uh, the, the Seahawks have the ability to keep DK Metcalf. They have the ability to pay DK Metcalf. If they let him go, it's just because they don't want him anymore. So I was kind of led to believe that if one of the two, which is the more likely, it's probably Brown, but whichever one is made available, you can promise yourself that the jets are going to be there in there until the very very end. They showed that they're willing to trade a lot when they went after Tyreek Hill. They showed they're willing to pay up when they were willing to make Tyreek Hill the richest receiver in NFL history, and if one of these guys is available, they'll be just as involved with those guys as well.
0: Now, you mentioned the 25 million with a trade for either of these guys, is it going to include an extension? Like is that something the jets Well, well, on one hand, you want to, right? Because you don't want to trade for the for the short term. But like they're willing to not just make the deal, right? But to also like for Hill, Mm -hmm. pay up the money to keep one of these guys and to spend that much money on a number one receiver.
1: Yeah, you know, we we talked about it actually on on the podcast last week when all this Hill stuff was kind of going down. And and I said basically, you know, the the people that I had talked to when I started looking and seeing the structure of these contracts, I kind of looked at it was like, that's really interesting because With you guys pushing all of this money to the next couple of years, yes, it has something to do with the fact that the TV deal and teams are gonna get a lot more cap space in future years, but it's also giving the Jets the luxury and the ability to absorb a big contract in 2022 if they want to absorb that big contract in 2022. They have other guys that they can extend and they have other guys that they can restructure contracts to create more money if they have to, but the way that they've done these free agent deals, they are in a position where if they wanna make a splash, They can make that splash. Now you have teams that are contenders, teams that are fighting for Lombardi trophies, teams that aren't, you know, fighting for maybe playoffs or seven or eight wins, but they believe that they have a chance to hoist it, and they'll go get those rental players. You know, it was like when the um, the LA Rams went out and they got Von Miller this year. You know, they knew that, that, yeah, they wanted to bring him back, but they knew they probably weren't going to be able to bring him back because of how much money he was going to demand. But they were fine with that as long as Von Miller helped them win a Super Bowl this year. That's what he did. Von Miller had a chance to go out there and win a Super Bowl. He won a Super Bowl, and now he's going to go to the Buffalo Bills where he's got that absurd contract, and he's going to try to win another Super Bowl, right? So the Jets are not the Rams, though. The Jets are not a team that's in a position where they want Reynolds, where they'll go get this guy, keep him from one year, and let him walk. So if they're going to be involved in this, yes, they have the money set aside to pay them whenever they want to pay him, but it will be one of those things where the Titans say, okay, A.J. Brown, you know what? We're going to let you go. We can't pay you. If they can't pay him, the Jets are going to, going to agree to the trade compensation with the Titans. Then they'll start getting to work with A.J. Brown and his agent to determine on, a, on an extension so that they can keep him with them long term. It'll be the same thing with D.K. Metcalf if they were to pursue that. But again, the big thing here is that right now, neither of those guys are available. That's the case, is, is, and that's the truth. These guys are not available right now. Will they be available in a week, two weeks, three weeks? We'll see if they are made available. The Jets are going to go after them and they're going to go after them hard. Unfortunately, right now, it's just a waiting game.
0: Marissa's been asking the chat what they would give up for one of these guys. What are, what are they coming through with, Marissa?
2: Yeah, so it's kind of mixed, um, but I would say AJ Brown over DK Metcalf for sure. Um, and people would be willing to give up the number four pick for him. Um, there's been a wide range of that. How, what do you think it would take, Connor? Because
1: if, well, if they, he they would... were
0: going to keep Connor for, for Hill. Yeah. They were going to keep uh, four
1: and right. ten, right? Yeah, they were just that was up absurd, right? How about that for an alternate reality that the Jets have Tyreek Hill on that offense and they also have the number four and number 10 picks? Like, that's just insane to me. Like, it's obviously it's not true. It's not happening, but I mean, that was what the Chiefs agreed to. So, look, I I think what people underestimate is that, yeah, the Jets have the number four number 10 picks in the draft, but those two second round picks that they have are what, like top five? Both of them are top five in the second round. It's 35 and 38, I think it is. So, yeah, it's that's what that'd be. Yeah, I think it's top five, top six, something like that. So, yeah. yeah, so it's, I mean, they're, they're, they're in a position where their middle round, well, not middle, but their second and third round picks have immense, immense, immense value. So if they want to package those two twos and send them in, I don't necessarily know if they have to part with a first round pick to get Brown or Metcalf. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Tyree Kill's is a better player than both those guys. I mean, Tyree Kill's is an, an all pro, if I'm not mistaken, Super Bowl champion. I mean, he is a true, like these guys are, these guys are no doubt bona fide number one receivers. There's no doubt about it. They're one of the two, probably two of the top 10 to 12 receivers in the entire NFL Tyree Kill is one of the top five players in the NFL. I mean Tyree Kill is a class above them, and the Jets were going to be able to get that guy for two second round picks, a third round pick and also get back, I think it was like 104 or something like that. So I think it would be around there that the Jets wouldn't be able to get one of these guys for the two twos and maybe a four, the two twos and the three, the two twos is something else. I don't necessarily think they're going to have to part with the number four or number ten. Joe Douglas clearly doesn't prefer to part with the number four, or number 10 pick. I think that if either of the first round picks are available, it's going to be number 10, not number four. But I don't necessarily think the Jets are going to have to part with that. If they came to terms with the Chiefs on a deal that didn't involve four and 10 for Hill, then there is no reason. They should, absolutely, they should start including those first round picks for A.J. Brown or D.K. Metcalf. They'll be able to get it done without parting with them.
0: And 10 makes sense if you have to, because that's when... Maybe you're taking a receiver anyway, yeah. right? Like that's the pick yeah. that, that ends up being a receiver. Whereas four is four, it's a lot more value there when you're thinking yeah. about the edge rusher or the the offensive lineman, which we will get to on this podcast. But first we have to take a quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily with twenty four seven US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep.
1: Requires high-speed internet connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on Direct TV. Terms and restrictions apply.
0: Tip of the cap to Dan Botter in the chat for uh, for this one. Tyreek Hill was not Roman ready to be a jet last week.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Perfect. Uh all right. Moving on from the the wide receiver position to the quarterback that the Jets already have uh from the big draft a year ago, Zach Wilson, of course, checking in on Zach's offseason, which uh, Robert Sala classified it as a tour. Uh, this mm. week at the owners meetings, but basically Zach Wilson's getting out there and, and spending some time with his receivers, which is certainly good to see. And it seems like, Connor, like there's a there's a legitimate bromance forming with Braxton Berrios, who's, of course, back with the Jets and Zach Wilson um, throwing passes together, wearing matching T-shirts. They're hitting the golf course together. It's good to see a quarterback developing chemistry with a receiver. But But those guys have taken to a next level on social media.
1: We should we should get shirts for each other, Tim. I think there we should go. we should and, and wear them on the podcast next. I Connor's think we a should, great we What about Tim's, me? Tim's a great yeah.
0: host. Yeah, Marissa's pod the glue. Mom. Yeah, yeah, the glue oh, that keeps it together.
1: Yeah, 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 the pod mom. Um, yeah, I mean, look, he, it's not even that. Like, obviously, they shared the photos, but I, we saw the videos posted uh, a couple days before that or a week before that, where he went out and he was working out with Corey Davis. So we've seen him with him. I think Elijah Moore is like on a beach right now or something like that. But I, knowing those two guys, they they developed a pretty close relationship next year. I would assume that once Elijah's back from his vacation, he's going to be working out with as well. And that's what you want to see. I mean, when, when we talk to Sala down here at, at the coach's breakfast, that's what he stressed of what he wants to see from Zach Wilson. Because, look, I mean, at the end of the day, you're really going to find out what this kid's got. And you're going to find out whether he's taken a step or not come September. But Salah said that there have been or there are little signs and little tidbits and little things that you can point to to say like, OK, he's doing this now, which gives me the confidence that he will do this then. You know what I mean? And one of those things is just an understanding of the playbook that he comes in and mentally, naturally, he's able to process things so much faster because he's already done it full of, for a full year. So in year two, it's no longer learning. It's no longer repeating what's learned, what the repeating and learning, repeating and learning. But you already know it. So you're building on it. You know what I mean? And that repetition, the repetition becomes a little bit easier. and You're able to put a little bit more on the plate and do a little bit more because you already have that baseline foundation. You're able to process at a faster clip. And that's what the Jets believe they can see come OTAs and come minicamp before you even get to training camp. Before you get to week one in September is if you can see Zach Wilson doing that stuff, then in the buildings, you'll kind of have to start developing a little bit of that. Anticipation and a little bit of that excitement that you know what this might be the year that that he breaks out that he could take a really big step a really big step because let's be honest man I mean we can talk about the Jets going out there and getting AJ Brown we can talk about the Jets getting Tyree Kill we can talk about what they've been able to do with fortifying the offensive line with Lake and Tomlinson and grabbing the two tight ends that they did in free agency and whatever they're going to do in the draft where they'll certainly add more offensive playmakers in addition to whomever they sign or whomever they trade for but it's all for naught and it's all completely irrelevant if Zach Wilson doesn't take a legitimate step forward. The Jets know that, the coaching staff knows that, ownership knows that, general manager knows that. They all know that their jobs, if you will, and and the the fate of this Jets franchise rests entirely on the 22-year-old's shoulder. I mean, that, that's really what this is, is that he holds the fate of this franchise. If Zach Wilson is good, if Zach Wilson is great, the Jets are going to be good and the Jets are going to be great. If he's not, if he doesn't take a step forward, if he doesn't take a legitimate jump, you're talking about a Jets team that's going to be winning four or five games again. And, and then suddenly Joe Douglas is going to be on the immense hot seat come November and December. And we're going to be talking about if the Jets need to change their offensive system with the floor. And do they need a new head coach? And Sal is not the answer. And we're just going to be running down this rabbit hole again. So, you know, when you've got a young quarterback like this and an, and an unproven young quarterback and a quarterback who got better as the season went on, but still left a lot to be desired with his play, you know that he has to take a huge step forward. He has to take a big step forward. You think he will. You hope he will. But you won't actually know until we start getting to these practices and eventually getting to these games. But so far, you have to be encouraged. You have to be happy with what you've seen from him because he is going out of his way to not just get, you know, Jets West like Sanchez did or the group of guys together like Sam used to do. But he's going out and meeting with his receivers individually. He's going to Corey Davis to throw with Corey Davis. He's going to. Braxton Berrios to throw with Braxton Berrios he's going to go to Elijah Moore to work with Elijah Moore he's showing the initiative to go out there and get in this extra time with guys and get in the extra page with those guys and aside from just getting into a cohesive groove from a football perspective it's also just another way to, to get into a better relationship with these guys so I mean you can't fault anything that Zach Wilson's done this offseason there's no way to fault anything he did this act this offseason although sitting Fourth row of the Justin Bieber concert and, and posting Ezra's and sharing all of it. That yeah, that that I'm a little that I'm a little questionable about. It. I don't know if I don't know if that's QB one stuff and maybe I'm gonna get ripped. I'm sure I'm gonna get ripped for saying that, but I'll be honest. Like, You're I'm, not I'm a not Bieber
2: gonna, fan, Connor.
1: There are some songs that slap from Beebs I'm not gonna lie. Like there's there's a couple that I like and a couple that I'll, I'll jam to. But when they come on the uh, the old Spotify, the volume goes down so that the the excess Bieber doesn't leak out of my headphones and people don't realize what I'm leaking to. So I do, or listening to, but so I give uh, Zach some credit for for just putting it out there. But I'm sure he's going to have to uh, to to back the Bieber love with some strong play for that to be accepted universally in the locker room.
0: Spending some quality time with mom, you know,
1: it's, it's yeah, like- mom, mom and Biebs going going to uh, the the concert with mom and beebs.
2: Well, you'll be able um, to ask him, Connor, because the locker rooms will be open this season. Oh, yes. so. Yeah, well,
1: not if Greg Van Roten has anything to do with it, apparently. I saw his tweet go out to, uh, to Brian McCarthy about the uh, that. He's like, oh, we don't, you know, I just think it's wrong. You know, call me old school. I'm like, old school. Like, I, I guess he that's doesn't know old what- school. A, old That's school not old school. Old school not have you guys in Call there. me old school, but I don't think it's right. And first of all, anyone who's in the locker room, like, I don't know if you guys know this, you don't go up to them when they're freaking naked. Like, you don't right. do that. Like, you you wait, like- The guys go in with a towel on, they change. And once they are fully clothed, you go and you talk to them and you shoot the shit with them. And this is the other thing that maybe Greg should realize is that when you develop relationships with people and you're able to go into the locker room and say like he blows a blocking assignment and just like completely like blows up and it's a terrible, it looks terrible, looks so awful. I don't have to just assume. I can go up to him in the locker room one-on-one and say, hey man, I saw this, Was this true? And he can explain it. So the us being in there, It's helpful because it keeps us informed. It's helpful because you can develop relationships with them. And it's just, it's a a better environment. It's almost like if you think about soccer, like a lot of people that cover soccer and and football overseas, there's no locker rooms there. And you see the media, they are absolutely vicious towards these players because they realize they're never going to see them. They're never going to talk to them. And they're never going to have a relationship with them. When you have a relationship with somebody, you open up that avenue to have what's happening explained to you. And yeah, sometimes it does look like Greg Van Roten gets completely beat. But other times it's not his fault and you can have that relationship to explain it. So I I saw that tweet go out and I'm like, that's just such an it's, it's it's ignorant because it's not how it works. I've been in locker rooms since 2014. You're not going up to dudes while they're butt naked, like with a recorder in their face and just like sitting there staring at them, butt naked, waiting for them to get ready. So you can go over. There's a respect level. Like, yeah, we're in there, but you're not sitting there staring at naked guys. You're like waiting for everyone gets changed. And then you go up to them and you talk to them. Like, that's how it is. And this whole, like, Oh, go I, I mean, call me old school. Well, old school is that old school is and forget the locker room. Old school is reporters being in the trainer's room talking to you while you're getting taped up. Like that's yeah. old school. So, I mean, it's, I saw that it's just so silly, but it doesn't matter. I mean, it's really, a, it's, I'm sure the locker room is going to be slightly different than it was in years past. Maybe there is like that buffer period of like, Hey, locker rooms open, but 20 minutes for everyone to get changed. And then the media are coming in, or maybe it's two days and not three days a week. I don't know how it's going to work, but The fact is, is whether Greg Van Roten likes it or not, we're going back in there. And that's good for fans. That's good for reporters. And the players will see it's good for them as well.
0: It's already started for baseball this spring with spring training. I think that's kind of the first sport to get back to reality. And there's been a lot of players who have actually gone the other direction from Van Roten who have said, like, I've I've heard from baseball, our baseball writers who are in there. And the players are saying... It's great to have you back. Great to see you. You know, all these these different things because they they know they know that stuff. So, yeah, it'll definitely be uh, cool. One thing back to
1: and also real real quick to touch on this, too. Tim is like what I can't wait for is these last two years absent when we haven't been in the locker room. The locker room is where you go up and like say I got a story idea, right? Like I'm I'm talking about random like, oh, you know. Corey Davis has a good stretch of game. So I go up to Corey Davis and I talk to him for, for 15 minutes, 20 minutes because you know he had his whatever catch or whatever yard and he had a good game. The recorder goes off and immediately you start bullshitting with the guy. Like you just start to get to know them on a personal level. Some of the best stories I've ever written have been little tidbits of information that come out at that point. Corey will say something about his family. He'll say something about his wife. He'll say something about his kid. He'll say something about when he was back home, where he's from. He'll say something about his time in Tennessee. And you're like, you know what? That's an interesting story. That's a different story. And then you can write these features. You can write these enterprise pieces because you're there. And then once I get that from Corey, suddenly say, he says this, I can go to Elijah and say, did you know this about Corey? And Elijah can provide a little bit more color and then Zach, and you can go around the locker room and get these awesome stories that shows fans. It removes the helmet from the players. It shows them as people. It shows them as their personalities. It shows them as their life outside of football players. And you develop a relationship with the fans through the media telling these stories. And you get those stories from bullshitting with guys in the locker room. The last two years, by October, by early September, mid September, you're just scraping the bottom of the barrel of like X observations, 12 takeaways, guys who could be cut, guys who could be let go. You don't have to write the guys who could be let go and the X observations. If I have a good featured story on a guy that I picked up from doing my homework in the locker room, that's such a more, that's so fun to write and it's fun to tell and it's fun to read and it's fun to learn. So, there really is no negative to us being in there. And, and if you want to know why about the negativity sometimes that's written and, and the, the, the crap storm that's sometimes written about the Jets, the reason why there's so much negative press on the Jets right now is because all we have to focus on as media members is the goddamn product on the field. That's it. And when you are a team that has won six games over the last two years, and Greg Van Roten's a reason why part of that offense stunk. Well, guess what? All we have to write about is why it stinks. That's that's all we have to write about is why it stinks. But when we're in the locker room, we can talk to guys and we can get to know guys and we can tell those human interest stories. Suddenly, you're not just when the Jets are the Jets stink and they've only won three games. I don't have to keep hammering that they stink. I can go tell a good story and paint something else and give you some positive press. So I just I saw that tweet come out because it was sent in our our beat writer group chat and I was like, man, that is that just pissed me off. Like that just God that's so ignorant. But whatever, doesn't matter. You can't stop it so it doesn't yeah. matter
0: to me No, he certainly
1: can't yeah like yeah.
0: if it was tom brady maybe there'd be something there but um back to zach wilson real quick Roten. he's lucky he he's, has a job still you mentioned that you know lots of quarterbacks meet with their receivers a lot of quarterbacks will bring their receivers to them uh, and do that sort of thing wilson doing it a little differently making the tour but do you think this was this a zach wilson idea or was this a team says hey zach you might want to uh, get out there in the off season and spend some time with your receivers where do you think that goes is it an original thing or is it is it pressed upon? no it's zach
1: it's zach no that's zach yeah. like that that's one of the positive is that like you can the jets could make a suggestion like michael floor could say as they're leaving like oh why don't you get together with your guys but it's still on zach wilson to organize it like it's not like michael floor is going to get out his like uh you know, uh, American airlines log in and say, Hey Zach, I just bought you a flight to Miami to go work out with Braxton Berrios." Like Zach still has to get the flight. Zach still has to figure out. I the mean, he's, he's obviously flying
2: JetBlue, but continue. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, it's like that, that's it's seriously, it's good. And, and that's why Salah said like, there's initiative you're seeing, he's putting in the work because he's getting together with all of his teammates. And I'm going to be fascinated to see if he starts working out with CJ, if he starts working out with Conklin, if you see him out there with Elijah soon, like if this really does continue and, if eventually we get to the point where in between mini camp breaking and training camp starting, if there is like a Jets West or a Jets something that Zach Wilson gets all of the offense together Jets to Utah. out together. Yeah, Jets Utah. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you guys. I know I'm, maybe it'll be Jets, Jets West Palm Beach again, and I can get another trip down here because I don't know if I'm gonna be too excited to book a Utah trip. Utah does look
2: pretty beautiful. I would Sanchez like to see used Connor to fly in Utah. So yeah.
1: I, uh, I, I, I wasn't on the beat for this, but Samini was telling me that like, when when Sanchez would do Jets West, he would tell the media and he would say, like, hey, guys, you know, we're doing a camp. Here, you guys want to cover it. And like, the media would fly out there and like attend the practices like they were OTAs, like they were mini camp, like they were training camp. And all the players would talk and stuff like that without without media relations or anything like that. So it was like super useful. So I'd love to see uh, I'd love to see Zach do that. That would be really fun. Yeah. I don't know if you Craig would approve of that accent: so.
0: <laughs> You mentioned Conklin and c j, and like that that makes even more sense, right? Like he's working right now with guys that he has a relationship with, but for him to get out there and and meet up with the new guys that are going to be a part yeah. of this offense would be would be huge for sure. Um, let's take another break right now, a shorter one, and we'll be back with more on the offensive line shakeup and that number four pick after this.
1: All right, one more. See, thing. Julius came... Randle's trying to uh, force his way off the Knicks, apparently, like James Harden. I just see this from the post on my uh, my this year Nick, Twitter feed. Knicks talk.
0: We don't have a yep, Knicks podcast on. right now at the Athletics. Go!
1: So. go get out. Build around RJ, baby. Get him out. I'm done with Randall. I've seen enough this year to get get him the hell out. God damn. He's oh my a goodness. hero, a year ago. Best thing, yeah. And then you know, fans came back in the stands and he couldn't handle it and calling out the fans because he stinks and like all this crap. Just get out. Build around RJ, man. Like the guy, the guy plays ball kind of like Melo did with the ISO stuff and just get him the ball and run through him. But the difference is Carmelo Anthony was a you know Hall of Fame player. And Julius Randle is like his ceiling is good. You know what I mean? I thought so, you were
0: gonna say something bad about Melo
1: there. I was gonna have to jump in, but that's oh Syracuse guy. Yeah, well don't get me started on Melo. I'm still not, I'm not a Melo fan, but you know, well that's that's I don't feel like making Jet fans hate me even more.
0: <laughs> All right. On to the offensive line. This was some of the other news that came out of this week. Uh when the Jets made the move to sign Lakin Tomlinson, um, it was widely kind of said that he would be the one making the move to right guard and mm-hmm. Elijah Vera Tucker would, would stay. Well, that's on what it the was line. originally. That was right. That was right. Really right. Exactly. It would stay on the left. <laughs> yeah. And now the news has changed that it's going to be the other way around uh, AVT moving to the right. So, so the obvious question, Connor, is like in between the signing and now what changed?
1: I think if, if it's not broken, don't, don't fix it. You know what I mean? I mean, Tomlinson's developed into a Pro Bowl player on the left side. And I actually remember in the locker room, because this was something that I gained from being in the locker room and talking to a guy and understanding something from a guy that I would not have previously understood if I was not in the locker room. Another right guard, left guard was Brian Winters, who began his career on the left side of the offensive line, was a borderline bust. The Jets moved him to the right side of the line, and he developed into a really good player and played some really good seasons with the Jets, got an extension, then ended up going to Buffalo and, and playing some more good football there. There are some players that just, for whatever reason, are better on one side than the other side. This isn't Madden where you can just flip them. So the Jets were confident. Like, I mean, Salah and LaFleur, they knew, they knew Tomlinson when they were all together in San Francisco. They had no concerns with him moving left guard to right guard. But I think it was just more of a Elijah Vera Tucker's young. He has never been tied to one side. They just put him at left guard, but it's not like he had to play left guard. He's young. He'll be just as fine on the right side. He's just as versatile. Put him there. Have him play right. And then have Laken Tomlinson, who is a pro bowl player already as a left guard, keep him on the left guard. Just keep him on the left side. I think if Tomlinson was maybe like, say, 26, 27, 28, then it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Just put him on the right side. But the fact he's 30, he's played the left side his entire career, just don't. You know, it's, it's sometimes like actually, I'll tell you the truth. Like Brian Winners did explain it to me. Like when he went from left side to right side, like it was like he went from writing with his left hand to writing with his right hand when he's a righty. You know what I mean? So I think that he, uh, th- this is something where it's just the smarter move. It's it's In- just it's it's the smarter move.
2: I wonder if it could benefit Becton having his veteran leadership we'll next to him versus, versus. I
1: guess if I guess the a younger there player, is,
2: if, if Becton's, Becton's there. on
1: the field. Right. I think Beckton's going to be the right tackle. I don't think Beckton's going to be the left tackle. So he'll be next to, to Barrett Tucker anyway, but um, that's interesting. As you know, Joe doesn't want to give up on him. Like that's Joe's draft pick. That's Joe's baby. And and I know, you know, there's probably some, some disconnect between coaching staff and what they see on the field. And then the front office and general manager, considering he's the one who invested this and a lot of his reputation is staked on who he drafts in the first, second, third round. And Beckton's kind of the only person that can somewhat salvage the 2020 draft class. Cause Mims is done. I mean, the jet's still like M- Mims is, Just don't read all that stuff. Mims is done. But like Ashton Davis, still the Jets believe he's got some potential. They think that he, a lot of his struggles last year was because he had no OTAs minicamp and was still dealing with that foot issue. But now he's going to have a full off season for the first time in his career, fully healthy first time in his career, be able to hopefully hit the ground running and and develop into a starting caliber player because they do like his upside. Beckton, though, is the one where you can say maybe that guy's going to be a star. But with him, it's all going to come down to staying healthy and work ethic. And as long as it's a consistent work ethic, and it's a consistent staying healthy, and it's consistent staying in shape, because that's his big thing, is that you know you can post all the workout videos you want, but you need to keep working out like that all year. You need to keep eating healthy all year. You can't have slip-ups, you can't slack off, you can't do any of those things. You need to bring it every single day, and if he brings it every single day, and he really the, the Jets did successfully light that fire under his ass, then yeah, he has the chance to be an all-pro player, but at the same time, if he just kind of slips back and, and is back to being complacent and things like that, that's not gonna be the case. At least right now it sure seems like the uh, at least right now it sure seems like the Jets are gonna be going into a, uh, a I, my guess is that their week one offensive line is gonna be George Fant left tackle, Lakin Thompson, McGovern, Vera Tucker, and then Beckton on the right side. Um, I do believe that the Jets are gonna draft an offensive tackle at some point because they're gonna want somebody that they can develop to eventually replace George Fant. And also somebody that provides insurance in case Beckton does slip up, or Beckton gets hurt again, or something like that. Because I was I was talking to Connor Rogers about this not long ago, and and you know he asked me, he was like, "You really think they go into next year with with uh, basically one or two two bad plays away from the Jets having to turn to Connor Connor McDermott at, at left tackle or right tackle?" And I was like, "No, I, I know I know Douglas spoke highly of him and Schuma th- uh, this week, but um, no, that's that's not going to be the case. They'll draft someone and bring someone in."
0: Well, you mentioned the offensive linemen, so we might as well transition to the draft um, right here. We talked about it, I think, on the last podcast, the fact that you have Robert Sala, who loves pass rushers, and Joe Douglas, who loves linemen, and you have that number four pick where there's a decent possibility that there's a real good one of each available to the Jets. And after we talked about it, you guys talked to them about it this week down at the owners' meetings, and I think uh, Robert Sala joked it off, right? He said it'll be a bare-knuckle fight. But it's a real question.
1: Yeah, it is. And and I think that the the really interesting conversation that the Jets are going to have to have, and it's going to be a real one, and it's going to be a juicy one, is that if Icky, that tackle from NC State, if he's there at four, along with Johnson or Thibodeau, and you have the potential pass rusher, along with arguably the best offensive lineman in this year's draft, who do you take? Because right now you can say the Jets need the pass rusher now. But also if Becton goes down and you don't bring back Fant next year, they're gonna need an offensive tackle too. And so it's really gonna come down to I believe who do they have graded higher. Who do they have the higher grade on, and whoever they have the higher grade on is there. But the one thing I will say is after talking to Joe Douglas and and, and listening to you speak, spoke to him probably twenty minutes or so, um, I came away very convinced. Um that it's going to be pass rusher at four. And I'm not talking about he was doing this for a smoke screen. I mean, he can smoke screen players, not positions. I came away really, really believing and really, really thinking that this is going to be pass rusher at four. Now, who, what, like which pass rushers are going to be? There's that kid from Georgia whose stock is climbing. Johnson, the kid from Florida State, is somebody who's obviously climbing. Thibodeau is the one that a lot of people like. There are some concerns, but I, from my understanding, the Jets don't have those concerns. They just view them as quote unquote today's athlete, you know, where he views there's there is a life outside football and branding's a big part of it, which is not a big deal because literally every single athlete that is coming out of the draft, or ninety-nine point nine percent of the athletes view things the same way. He's not a, a guy who is just gonna not pay attention. He's not a guy who's gonna slack off. So in my opinion, is, I, I I do believe the Jets going to take Thibodeau at four. That's that's what I think. But in my opinion, you know, I, I felt this going in and I felt it now even more so that at four and ten, it's going to be pass rusher receiver the jet it, assuming that that brown and uh, and metcalf aren't made available and the jets aren't able to trade for either of those guys and you know something weird doesn't happen where another receiver comes up i assume only believe that it's going to be pass rusher at 4 receiver at 10 that's that's really what i think is going to come out of the draft with this one and and it and it makes in my opinion a lot of sense now which pass rusher is it going to be we're going to learn a lot about that in the coming weeks. That's where there's going to be a lot of smokescreen. Which receivers, are going to be the same thing. I mean, I could see them going big bodied with London. I could see them going scheme fit with Wilson. We just saw the video come out about Jamison Williams, where he's out there now running already, where he's expected to be running by the draft after tearing his ACL. He's more talented than all the guys. So maybe the Jets go that route and, and and take him, the kid from Alabama. That could be an option as well. We'll see. But I really think that's going to be the case. And I know there's like, There's been talk, and and Jets fans look at this secondary. They look at Tyreek Hill going to the Dolphins, and they're like, oh, my God, they need a corner, they need a corner, they need a corner. I think what people really need to realize is that Robert Sala's defensive scheme, and Robert Sala does not believe that he needs elite-level shutdown, lockdown corners at the two cornerback spots for him to be successful. He thinks that he can have number two and number three corners at those two spots. Rangy, Rangy safety is back deep. And they can be in a, a very good to elite level defense, depending on how good that that defensive line is. This team is going to be built. This team is going to be funded. This team is going to be talent infused on the defensive line at defensive end, at defensive tackle, a pass rusher. Look at what the the 49ers did. And if they can build a defensive line similar to what San Francisco has compiled, you can get by with DJ Reed and Bryce Hall or Brandon Eccles or Isaiah down to the two corner spots and two rangy safeties back deep because that defensive line negates so much of the need to invest serious high-level resources at the corner position. So, yeah, could the Jets get better at corner? Sure, they can absolutely upgrade Hall. They can absolutely upgrade uh, Dunn. They can absolutely upgrade Eccles. But they believe they have one starting corner definitively in D.J. Reed. They're going to let the other three guys compete at the other corner spot. And they can get by and have a successful to very good to potentially elite defense with that trio as long as they have an elite-level pass rush. And they need to get that. They're building to get that. They've got Huff, who they think is a good player. They brought in Martin, who they believe is a good player. They have Quinn Williams, who they believe can be a star. They've got John Franklin Myers, who they believe can get a star. And if you add Thibodeau to that mix, and you add another interior defensive lineman that they draft in the second or third round of that mix, you're well on your way to recreating the San Francisco front over here on the East Coast. And then suddenly you don't need to worry about drafting corners in the first round anymore.
0: Four, I know, obviously, I think they take you take a player at four. Um 10 do you think there's any chance that they trade back at 10 um or do you think at this point it's pretty pretty set that if they don't trade it away to bring a player in that they're going to actually select a player at that pick and not move back in the draft
1: no actually so again i I don't think they're going to have to trade one of their two whether it's metcalf or brown i don't believe they're gonna have to trade one of their first round picks i don't think that's the case so theoretically say you go that that package that we were just talking about where it's the Ah, uh, the two twos and maybe a three to go and get like they had for Hill. Maybe it's just two twos, or maybe it's a two three and a future pick to get Metcalf or Brown. Whatever they're giving up there, then I think if you have a team that wants to trade up for a quarterback, like maybe the Steelers or something like that, that wants to go up to ten to potentially get a quarterback, that's where I can see the Jets moving back from ten and recouping some of the draft capital that they traded away to go get the receiver. So I, I don't. I think they're going to make a pick at four. I'm almost certain they're going to make a pick at four. Number 10, I could see them potentially trading back. I could see them also potentially trading back. If they see London, Wilson, and Williams are all still there, and they like yeah. all three of those guys the same, I could see them moving back, still getting one of those players and recouping some additional draft capital. Because, again, this team still has a lot of holes. This team still has a lot of needs. This team still needs depth in addition to starters, in addition to stars. And the more swings you have at getting them, the more likely you are to hit it. You know what I mean? You, you take five swings of a fastball, and you got a better chance of hitting it than one. So – and the draft, which is, as Todd Bowles called an educated crapshoot, more the merrier with the draft picks. And I think the Jets absolutely have a chance to recoup more by trading back from 10.
0: I mean, Williams is so intriguing uh, because before the injury, right, like he was kind of the one guy that stood out. And then you had these other guys. Yeah. And Once he was hurt, then, OK, Wilson is now the best guy, but he's just not the same. If If you know that Williams could be the guy that we saw. Plus, it seems like in recent years, right? There's something about Alabama receivers. If I can get an Alabama receiver, yeah. I'll <laughs> give me one of those guys. Good. I don't know what it is
1: but about. It's not room, our Darius Stewart. Yeah. Not him. That was, that was the Jets swing at a. Uh, that was Johnny Morton's uh, guy, who was, was our Darius right. Stewart. And that one didn't work out too well. But, you know, they also drafted Chad Hanson and that thing. Although he went off to uh, the Texans like two years ago or something like that out of nowhere.
0: All right, real quick before we wrap things up, one other news note of down there at the over the owners' meetings was the overtime rule is changing a little bit. Yeah. Um, both teams are going to get the ball in the playoffs. Only in the playoffs, they, I guess. If they the initial proposal was for all overtime games, um, that would not have gotten through. All the teams weren't going to vote for that, so they end up switching it to just in the playoffs. Both teams guaranteed to get the ball. That that goes through twenty nine to three. Obviously, it all stems from from the Bills game last offseason. Mm-hmm. It was interesting to see. To me, it's a no-brainer. But it was interesting to see around the league, around the media today, there was some pushback from some people. Just I don't know if they're just looking for clicks or whatever. They're like, oh, it's fine the way it is. Um, if you watch that Bills-Chiefs game, it's, it's not fine the way it is. Um, but my one question is that I haven't seen the details of. I assume, Connor, right? Like, first team gets the ball, kicks field goal other team gets touchdown, game's over, right? They win,
1: yeah. Yeah, just each okay. team needs to touch. Each offense now has a chance to touch the ball. And they're doing it just for the playoffs, and then if it works right. in the playoffs, then they'll put it for the regular season. It's like their trial run. But he, like people need to stop getting pissed at shit that you shouldn't get pissed over. There's no reason <laughs> to Especially get Especially stuff tough. that makes like, sense. Like Yeah, like I think it makes sense. And, and everyone's like, oh, this just negates the value of defense. This just negates the value of defense. No, it doesn't. Make a stop. It negates the if value a of stop, a coin toss. Yeah and yeah and and the defense still matters. Like it's not like these teams are both like all these offenses are now guaranteed to score touchdowns. Like right. if the first team gets the ball, make a stop, and the other team gets the ball and goes, and goes and touchdown, It's over. If the other team gets it, like it's if the defense still makes a stop on one of those two possessions, the game is still over. Like that's that's what I'm like. What are you like? What are we doing here? Like it's it's just it blows my mind. But it's like I, yeah, if you get there's no reason you get to get it out. This. You just need a field goal. Yes. I mean, that's... There's other, dude. There's other. There's some more that you can be angry about and bit about and that stuff. Like, you don't need to be mad about this. This is not something to get all up in a tizzy over.
0: There you go. I, the one funny thing from the way it all went down, I, not for Bills fans, obviously, but like Chiefs fans benefited from this just three years after getting completely screwed by the same rule right in the patriots game mm-hmm. but it, it is interesting that all of these rule changes and these controversy rule controversial rules all seem to historically have benefited the patriots in some way it's like it's remarkable from like the tuck rule to this to that it's like it's always like somehow that team benefited
1: <laughs> yeah
0: and they just had this amazing yeah. lucky run and like they get all these, these these things along the way and now we have rules that that prevent it, but uh,
1: it is fascinating.
0: All right, I think we've done it. Anything else from down there, Connor?
1: No, that's it. Just my flight home. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> no, squeeze. <laughs> Although in nine I more here, holes. here I, love, I love Jersey, and I took all the warm weather with me because it was like 65s and 70s when I was back, and now you guys are sitting in there 25 degrees and stuff like that. But I come back yeah, in absolutely, so I, I avoided. I avoided the last little, uh, the last little, sw- last couple swings of winter. It looks like I avoided, and I'm coming back, and it's smooth sailing from here on in
0: let's yeah bring the bring the warmth with you all right that's going to do it for us uh if you want to subscribe to the athletic read all the great stuff coming from connor uh the beast is coming from dane brugler pretty soon get to that and, and everything they we do at the athletic uh, you can subscribe marissa still one dollar a month for six months
2: yes so get your get your deals right now for and sure. that deal's been going a
0: for a while now, so it's it's yeah. got to be running out soon, so definitely get on that. Go to com slash can't wait, and we'll be back with you, I think, in two weeks, unless Connor decides that he just wants to do a podcast next week. <laughs> we'll see, but otherwise, in a couple of weeks, we'll get unless you ready for the happens.
1: draft. I think we're good. We'll
0: talk to you again soon. Bye.